I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Kill Sawalia, our LMFM, commissioned by Create Loud, the arts service of Loud County Council, with support from the Arts Council and Drogheda Credit Union, with branches in Trim and Bettystown, proud sponsors of Fla Kill Heron. We're on the site of a gorgeous, renovated old farm cottage in Castletown Cooley, in the heart of the Cooley Peninsula. At the home of an extraordinary Dundalk musician, a child prodigy, who along with her partner has travelled the world blending traditional fiddle music with classical music and other styles, and on the way releasing some truly landmark recordings which have pushed the boundaries of Irish traditional music itself. Hello, John. You're very welcome. Come in, come in. Zoe, can can I start at the start, right, and go back to when you were a very small kid? Because musically, that is where the story starts with you. Um, What was your family like? Was it a musical family or not? Or was it a a household where there was a lot of music? Did anybody play? Yeah. Well, it's kind of an unusual story. My grandparents would have played, but my parents didn't play. And then when when we were born, our, I have five or four siblings, there's five of us all together. And my parents really wanted us to play because they felt that they'd missed that opportunity. Um, so I was the fourth youngest. Um, so it meant that by the time I came along, they had kind of got the routine of the practice and the teachers and they kind of had sorted, every, they'd sussed out what was going on in the area. But for my eldest sister, you know, she was a bit behind because they had to kind of try and find teachers. They had to see where their sessions and try and get into that whole world. So I had such an advantage because when I was born, they were already playing in the house. There was music all day, every day. There were lessons and the whole system was in place. So I suppose I really got a head start compared to them. Even though my parents didn't play, it's as if they did. Do you know that kind of way? What age are we talking when you started playing? Very young, uh, probably two, I suppose. As soon as I could move, I was playing. And I know I did a few piano lessons, classical piano, and I had to be lifted up onto the piano seat. So I remember that. So it must have been pretty young. And tin whistle as well. I know I knew some fairly complex tunes at maybe three or four, you know, four part, five part piece tunes. Um, But I didn't actually start playing the fiddle. After piano and whistle, I started the banjo. And, and I learned that for a few years and then I started fiddle when I was eight or nine. So 
you know it's quite late time to start fiddle but at the same time um because i already kind of had so much music there um, it made it very easy to start the fiddle and once i picked up the fiddle i was like this is for me i just absolutely love this instrument it's like it's part of my body and people have that hatred of fiddle or violin at the start because it's so awful but i don't remember that i just remember loving it and thinking it was amazing when you went to school then you went to louis in in, in mm. dundalk and the school played quite a big role in in your development as well didn't it definitely i mean uh i feel that in my life there were so many things that made it easy and possible and in fact inevitable for me to be a professional musician and that's one of the other ones and um, the school that I went to the Louis school they had a long history of music uh, classical music mostly and they had a little orchestra going in the school and that which developed into the cross-border orchestra which is absolutely um, amazing orchestra and I got to play with that orchestra probably every week or a few times every week and work with conductors work in an ensemble and learn how to play together and how to sight read and all of those things um, but also in the school um, they had practice rooms three practice rooms in the school which meant they all had a piano um, I didn't need the piano but it meant that at any time lunchtime, after school, before school, during school if you had a free period you could go to the practice room and practice and believe it or not I did that <laughs> I was quite obsessive with practice as a teenager and I, I would have gone there and practiced hours and hours and hours every chance I got I'd be practicing trying to learn tunes and uh, the environment there was really brilliant for music I mean the principal my father would have gone in and spoke with him and said look Zoe is very serious about music she's going to be missing a lot of time she's going to be going to Germany to perform uh, miss a week of school or whatever or in fact I took most of transition year off and I just played music and the principal was like that's fine that's what she's supposed to do and that's great and we'll support that and if she needs extra tuition when she comes back we'll make sure that she gets it so you know it was just wonderful such a brilliant experience so where I said that's that's almost a uniquely supportive atmosphere like to, yeah. to be in as a young person yeah and I should I should also say as well that I met John in the Louis because <laughs> he was in the De La Salle next door that's the boys school and he he couldn't do music in his school they didn't have that exam so he came over to the Louis school and um, to do his music exam and we were both put into the same practice room yeah. you know the little practice rooms I was talking about so that's where I met John so it's great and actually we've, I've got a couple of um, very uh, searching questions for you John in, in a couple of minutes <laughs> <laughs> but um, can I ask like being being so successful so young in terms of like making kind of constant headway and you know mm -hmm. was there a pressure that came with that as well um i didn't really think so i i suppose it depends on your character um but i always felt prepared walking on stage i always felt that this is what I'm supposed to do and uh, it makes it very easy and in fact I think that makes it possible for me to be a professional musician and I mean a lot of my peers um, would really struggle with some of the work that I have to do I mean very short preparation time and maybe being thrown some music at the last minute and have to walk out and perform it and to have that kind of uh, you know feeling that this is my job. I'm I'm good at it. I know what I'm doing. I'm able to walk out. Nothing's going to go wrong. It's going to be okay. And just to have that kind of confidence as a musician. I think that probably comes from the fact that I did it so early and that I, I'm just really natural at that. And I don't feel that it's 
you know walking out on stage it doesn't really feel like that to me and um I think that's why I don't feel that pressure thank god and hopefully I never will because it's it's quite awful if you have terrible nerves I have now and again you know have have had that experience but in general I haven't found any pressure and I've really enjoyed it and the people that I've met along the way like the Bill Whelan the Bill Whelans of, of my life, the people who have helped me, the Donal Lunnies and the Martin O'Connors, and it's endless, you know, there are many, many people who have helped me along the way. One in particular that just springs to mind is um, Martin McAllister, who's a brilliant guitar player from Cross McGlen. Like he, when I was playing banjo, so very young, he realised that I was very talented at music and he said, come with me into the recording studio. I'm recording an album next week with such a singer and you can play piano, you can do a bit of banjo, you can sing, you know. And just to be brought into that environment so young, it just meant that that was just my life and it's very natural and I don't have that, you know, kind of fame association at all. It's just normal and that's everyday life. And in fact, our children, when we meet people, they say, what does he play? What does she play? Because <laughs> most people obviously play music in our lives and, uh, and that's lovely. <laughs> I love that. Um... Okay, so I'll come to uh, Bill Whelan and that, that, that chapter in a second. But mm -hmm. can I ask, at what point, like what we're talking about at the moment, like is still largely um, classical music that you're playing at this point in your life? Mm -hmm. Where you're, you're a teenager, you're still in school, you're, you know, and you're starting to become. At what point, like obviously you were, traditional music was in your blood already mm -hmm. from a very young age. But at what point did um, traditional fiddle effectively take over from, from classical violin for you? Um, I don't really know. I mean, traditional music um, is the one that I know best and the one that's most natural for me. And um, <clears throat> I've been playing traditional music my whole life and been in sessions and competitions and so on. And then when I saw somebody playing classical music on the TV around the age of nine, I was like, oh my God, I have to learn classical. I'd never seen anyone playing high on the violin before. So I began that journey of classical and I never really stopped, to be honest. I studied for many, many years um, classical music, hours a day. I mean, when I met John first, I used to say to him, I, well, like, this is brilliant and we'll have this plan and this plan, but I can't meet you then for five days because I have to practice. And I used to practice for five days, you know, and then go to a lesson. So I was very, very serious with classical music as well as traditional. Um, but really the two um, the two lives have 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 continued at the one time and I don't feel like one is more powerful than the other well traditional music probably is it's my real love but I mean classical was so important and such a big part of my life and still is and and it's one of the kind of unique things that I have the fact that I'm able to play with orchestra so I do try and use that as much as possible um, I mean, we should point out at this stage that, to, I mean, to a very casual observer, Zoe Conway is a traditional mm. artist. But mm. to anybody who actually listens to your music, obviously there, there's, a, there's an extraordinary blend of influences all sitting in there within what is generally, a, you know, a traditional yeah. genre. Um, is it is it far too complex a question to ask in what way does a classical background influence your traditional fiddling? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's very important, actually, the, the classical background that I've had and those um, hours of practice and that knowledge of the instrument. Um, it means that I'm able to play traditional music the way that I want. And um, so it gives you a kind of a control. Now, I, I definitely don't think I'm one of the 
the greatest traditional fiddle players or anything like that there are just so many um but i definitely feel that it gives me that kind of grounding of just the knowledge of the instrument you know being able to produce tone the way that i want and understanding how to do it and to be able to play in tune and uh, to be able to tune the fiddle and to be able to understand really intricate details of traditional music like uh, what the time signature is what type of tune it is where it would have come from who has written it i mean how old the piece is and all of those things actually would be more academic do you see what i mean so um it has really improved my traditional playing um beyond you know my wildest dreams you know having that knowledge of classical music and likewise i mean the traditional influences the classical as well um there are so many brilliant things about traditional music that are are not there in classical like um you know having a feel for something to understand what the composer probably wanted the piece to sound like even though it's not exactly written like that um or to be able to remember a very complex piece of music that's maybe 30 minutes long. Traditional musicians who have studied classical are able to do that. Um, now, there are very few classical musicians who are able to do that because it's a slightly different technique. It's a slightly different part of the brain, actually, that you're using. And those classical musicians who don't have that um, you know, freedom of free bowing and free music and the music just being in your head. Um, maybe they have to work a lot harder to be able to do that. So both genres have these incredible, um, be this incredible beauty within them. And I feel lucky actually that I, I have a, a little bit of both and that it's really helped both genres for me. Okay. Um, can we fast forward a little bit um, and ask about Bill Whelan and mm -hmm. how that because he's got something that runs into the first album and that whole. So um, can we can we ask about that? Where, where did yeah. that start? Or um, well, I was playing at a talent show I think in the Harcourt Hotel, um, and I think I was around sixteen or so, and I played. A tune I think I played the Mason's apron but I'm not sure what the piece was but anyway Bill Whelan was in the audience and he came up afterwards and shook my hand and he said well done I really enjoyed your performance it was really brilliant and I said oh thanks very much and I walked away and somebody had seen what happened and came over to me and said do you know who that was and I said well no and he said that's Bill Whelan the composer of Riverdance and I was like oh I was so delighted then so my dad who was bringing me home I said it to him that actually Actually, Bill Whelan had come up to say congratulations and um, th then maybe a little while later I was talking about trying to record an album but of course I'd no idea really how to go about it or what you needed to do and dad said why don't you ask Bill because he obviously has experience in what to do and he might show you that you know point you in the right direction he might get you in touch with the studio and so on so I, I asked Bill and he said do you know what I'd love to do is produce your album and help you to get it out there and you know really get you started so um he very generously um gave me all his time and his studio and engineers and amazing musicians and just we spent about two years or so creating that first album and uh, of course it was life-changing for me and uh wonderful and it just kind of shows the generosity of some of these people that I've met along the way that would do something like that remarkable and uh, and still do I mean I'll be doing a concert as part of the FLA, um, uh, which I'm really excited about with the RTE Concert Orchestra. And um, we're using quite a lot of Bill Whelan's music for the concert, um, but he kindly offered to arrange a piece for this concert of ours. So a piece that I've composed, but arrange it for orchestra. Um, it's a very 
a difficult thing to do and not many people are able to do that it's a real skill and it will probably take him about a week or possibly two weeks to actually get that work done and he just said oh sure I'll do that that'll be fine you know so that's just amazing and just shows you what a beautiful man he is to to offer to do something like that so um in in the music industry a lot of people have a very negative view of it but actually when you're in it um, if you're in this really nice traditional world um, people do help each other and there's a lot of sharing of information and trying to help other musicians and trying to learn off each other and, and share music as well and it's just so lovely um, in other genres I don't think it's so open and I think people try and protect their music and protect their ideas and you know um, so it's it's very very lovely but that's that's um, you know the type of relationship that I have with Bill Whelan. Okay, so you spent a couple of years effectively building that first album mm -hmm. and extraordinary collaborators on it. Uh, Michal O'Donnell is on it, uh, Donald Lunny's on it. Uh, yeah. um, and it feels very much, that first record feels very much like, uh, I suppose, a statement of, of what it is you do to some extent. It has an amazing mix of styles. Um, it has uh, what, what was to become well a couple of your kind of signature pieces maybe you know with the um, mm -hmm. the pizzicato waltz and the hangman's reel which we might maybe ask you to play later mm -hmm. on for us if you don't mind no problem uh, and uh, uh, also that beautiful version uh, of Tom Shea McCullough which mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to ask you actually about singing because there are not many songs on your own albums there's one on that there's maybe two on the next one there's a few on the live record do you ever feel you should sing more or do people annoy you to sing more you know, do people say? Yeah, I, this is a, always a joke in our house because, um, as I have said many times, all the hours I spent playing the fiddle. But when I come off stage, people will say, oh, your voice is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so when John, me and John always first out laughing, we're like, oh, thanks a million. Like the voice, I mean, that's just my voice. It's just how it sounds. And I, I maybe did a few singing lessons when I was younger, but it's just uh, instinctive and natural. And that's how I sing. And I suppose... I love that. I love the fact that that's just how I sing and I just sing the way I want to sing. And it's very, very pure, very simple, uh, very unornamented. And uh, so the answer is yes, I think I, I probably have to sing more and I'm really making an effort to do that. And we're working on a project at the moment with Julie Fowlis, who's a wonderful Scots Gaelic singer and her husband, Eamon Dooley. So it's two husband and wife teams. And uh, there, there's quite a lot of singing for me and John in this project. And we're really enjoying it because it's uh, kind of developing that side of us. And um We've taken uh, traditional um, poems from Ireland in the Irish language and Julie has taken Scots Gaelic poems and we've set them to music. So we've composed all of these songs um, and we've actually recorded them all now and we're going to be performing them as part of the flat as well. Um, another really big concert for us, um, which, you know, we're a bit worried about equally worried and uh, equally excited I suppose about um but yeah I mean the singing I really love singing I really enjoy it and um I love especially playing with John on guitar when you have that link with somebody who knows what speed you want to sing at and who will let you take a breath or clear your throat or um, fill in a gap in between a verse and then you can keep going or you can just keep going if you want and all of that support that's there um, it's really wonderful and I'm actually going to be singing with the orchestra as well with the RTE Concert Orchestra in that concert so uh, that'll be 
brilliant because there's nothing like singing with orchestra um, it's just so beautiful um, so yeah it's something that I'm hoping to improve on and to develop and to um, work on a lot more in the future great okay well maybe um, John can we bring you in at this point um, and because very much uh, you're very much a, a double act uh, at, at this point and um, the last couple of albums are credited to both of you and it's um, John, can I ask you to tell the story of, of how you guys met? <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose I suppose we did. We met in the Louis School, and uh, how much did I retell? Is the question. <laughs> yeah, as far as I can recollect, uh, I was doing my leaving cert practical at the time, and uh, I had to sit it as always said in the Louis Convent. And I was told to go into a practice room as they have in the in the school, and fantastic. We didn't have anything like that. I know next door in the Della Salle, <laughs> and uh, so I w- went into the room and I was practicing, and uh, and then Zoe came in and she was saying, "Oh, um, what?" She was having a look at my music and uh, we were talking about that, and she was saying, "Oh, do you play traditional music?" And in fact, I did, um, because of I, I would have spent summers in southwest Donegal and uh, so I remember we played some reels as well and and that was pretty much it and then I, the next time I saw Zoe was in the spirit store we were at a gig we were at John Spillane some years later maybe seven years later and uh, and then uh, then we started going out I suppose but it was kind of it was it was a very uh, strong connection I suppose from day one it was like uh, meeting somebody uh, meeting your best friend I suppose you know it was like uh, once I met her again after that I met her and she was playing with Rodrigo y Gabriela and I met her above what bar is it in Dublin on Wicklow Street or Exchequer Street the, the international, international bar yeah and there was some sort of gig going on it was like a lots of different acts playing that night and Rodrigo Gabriel played with Zoe and then Zoe played some solos and then like since then we've been kind of you know we've we've seen each other all the time nearly you know mm-hmm. since then it was it was kind of very uh, quickly uh, became a very close unit mm-hmm. and you should you could tell them or I'll tell you but uh, when we both uh, grew up in Dundalk, um, we actually lived for the first seven or eight years in the same uh, on the same green. We were both from Green Acres, <laughs> so our par- our families lived just across the road from each other. And then I moved out. My family moved outside Dundalk to Newtown Balregan, and John's family moved out to um, Green Ore. And then, so we obviously. I don't know if we met at that stage, but I'm sure we probably did. But it just feels like really incredible coincidence. Well, yeah, I, I think it's well worth asking John about your own background in traditional music, too, because, again, to the casual observer, uh, here's someone who's known for being the guitar player in the Revs, who were a huge band. Uh, and you would have been very well known as a, as a, as a rock, as a punk guitarist, <laughs> effectively, you know. And now, you know, if you kind of blink for a couple of years uh, and you look at. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And you're, you know, you're, you're one of the, the, the best regarded traditional accompanists in the, in the country. And I suppose I, I'd really like to know a little bit about your traditional background, because obviously that wasn't just something that you switched over. There obviously was a route there with you. Yeah, I suppose, as I said, as I touched on earlier, I'm, I used to go on my holidays to Southwest Donegal to Glen Column Kill. And uh, my grandmother and my grandfather lived there. And um, and there was an enormous tradition, I mean, uh, of fiddle players there. You know, it was something that you did, everyone did. And uh, m- like most people would have been able to pick up the fiddle and play a couple of tunes. But there were two kind of fiddle players that were around my age. And... Uh, and they they were actually in our wedding. They were my uh, two groomsmen, <laughs> and um, we used to go off at nights. You know, when I was about sixteen, we were all, we were all about the same age, and we used to play tunes, and in the pubs, and it was some, it was just a very organic thing. You know, I, it had always been there, um, and you know that there there would be connections with the family again. It's kind of skipped a generation, as in Zoe's family. Like um, my father didn't play traditional music or his generation but the older generation would have and like my grand uncles and my grandfather played and uh they would they would have i know my my grand uncle sonny he lives over in california and he would come home and he would be playing all these tunes from the 1940s and 50s and he would be stimulating uh, the memory, the local memory of tunes, you know, and uh, you know, so it was a wonderful place to be in, and a wonderful, and very sort of, uh, I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but it was quite natural. The first album that you guys made as a duo officially, the tunes for that were commissioned to to be composed for ye, isn't that correct? Yeah. What, what was that like as an experience? It was yeah, it was a great. I thought it was a great idea at the time because. Um, at the time we kind of felt that we didn't really have that much time ourselves for composition because we had two very small children and it was, things were very, very difficult so we decided you know we could ship off this material and get somebody else to write it and uh, 
and uh, it was but it was a brilliant thing to be part of i mean it was wonderful and the, the people that were happy to be involved in the project i mean our, our heroes it was just incredible yeah and, and when when the idea came to us um, we applied to the arts council for funding for the commissions to ask these different artists um, to compose the pieces and then when the funding came through and we we said to everyone oh yes it's going to go ahead um, then we got such a shock because we were thinking um, all these amazing composers are going to be writing pieces for us and we hadn't really thought about it and uh, next thing the pieces started coming in the door and in fact a couple of the artists uh, sent us the pieces on cassette tape them playing on cassette tape and of course we didn't even have <laughs> anything to play it on so we had to go over to my dad's or something to try and find an old cassette player to hear the music like we were just dying to hear the music so um, it was just it was really amazing project and really brilliant fun and a lot of the pieces have actually become part of the tradition now and younger musicians i'm talking about even younger than us <laughs> um are playing them in sessions and in performances and things so it's wonderful would you say there's a sense of a strong sense of place in your music in terms of you know do you feel that there's a there, there's a tether or or that the where you're from, where you create music, do you feel that there's a sense of that in the music that you not in in the music that you write, but also in the music that you, the way you perform music? Um, yes, I definitely do. I think that the place that I'm from has a massive influence on my music, and just like at the very start, it would have been my sister who's a brilliant fiddle player. Um, so as I was saying, I was the youngest of four at that time and she was the eldest and she was already a brilliant fiddle player when I was born. So a lot of my fiddle style comes directly from her, like the way I use the bow and the types of chains that I like. Um, she's often slagging me for it, you know, I basically just stole everything <laughs> from her. But um, in a broader sense, now that I'm a little bit older and I have a better um, perspective of the world and of Ireland and how music developed here and um, the oriel area um, of music, um, from a very young age, I had a draw and a love for Donegal music and for Scottish music. And I just had that. That was never, nobody told me, oh, these pieces are really good, really cool. These are the ones you should be playing. They were just the pieces that I was drawn to and that I loved. And that was the type of style of music that I composed. And um, in, a, in a really unusual way, that was the music that would have been played here because the links um, to the north and to Scotland were really strong. So, I mean, I don't know why that happened or how that happened, but it must be something to do with your blood and, the, and where you come from. And I mean, I ended up marrying John, who has that Donegal link and going to Donegal so often with him, having never been there before and and hearing all this music that actually I'd never heard before. There there are hundreds of tunes there, like thousands of tunes that I don't know yet. Um, so it's just absolutely amazing. And you know, you always think that you're deciding on, on your life and, and the direction you're going in and the style of music that you are playing. And, and actually, it's probably nothing to do with you at all. And it's part of the grander picture and you're just being swept along, you know. Um, so I definitely think that this area is amazing. And the musicians that live here who have influenced me are amazing as well, like the O'Connors, you know, Jerry O'Connor and Donal O'Connor, brilliant fiddle players. And Jerry's mother, Rose O'Connor, I'm coming out of that tradition, too. So... Um, it's just, it's really lovely to be from here. 
Lovely. Um, you mentioned earlier on um, about your kids and how they're growing up in a house that's that, that's full of music. When you look back at the way, well, well I should ask first of all, mm-hmm. what, like when you decided very young that really it was going to be music and there was no chance you were going to become an accountant or a vet or a, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how did your folks react to that? Were they worried at all? I know obviously they were incredibly supportive, but yeah. was there a sense that you got that they were like, mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> so um, my father would have always wanted me to be a musician. I think from when I was born, he thought that that was my gift. And so he really encouraged it, like probably overly encouraged it. You know, he was probably the overbearing par- parent who sat in the front row and still does. <laughs> um, but actually, at the age of around 13, um, my dad said to me, look, I'm not going to make you practice anymore. Okay, if you want to practice, that's going to be your decision. If you want me to help you practice, I'll do that. But I'm not going to start forcing you to practice anymore. Um, And so I think I took about a week off. (laughs) And then I thought, oh, you know what? I I do want to do that. You know, I want to play fiddle. And so I got back into music and I that then it was my choice. And then I had taken control. And then I, I really did do an awful lot of work. And I knew I wanted to be a musician from that age, at the age of 13 and probably younger. But um, when I took transition year out, I formed a band. We were called Dalriada and um, we, we studied in Dublin. We spent a lot of time practicing and we got a few concerts and we did a few recordings and uh, toured abroad and did all of that. And that was only in transition year. And then uh, I would have been going to the Irish Traditional Music Archive and researching songs and pieces and and putting together new sets and all of that lovely work that I still do and I love and then I really found it hard to go back to school in fifth year and sixth year and study and um, you know do my French and my Irish and maths and everything else Um, although I loved school and I I do love learning and I love being part of all of that um, I just knew look you know I'm never going to go to college this is just I'm going to be a musician I'm going to be playing in concerts Um, and then when I left school after the leaving cert, um, my mother, she was really worried about me going on to be a musician because what she knew of music is that if you are successful, um, you're, you know, it's sex, drugs and rock and roll basically is what she was thinking. It's a slippery slope and it's not a good life and it's not, it's not what you want and it's not going to be good for you. And, and then I found it really funny because I ended up with John, who obviously is out of a rock and roll band. <laughs> But uh, he's a very, very tame uh, version, I suppose, of of what rock and roll is and a very serious musician. And, um, you know, it it all worked out and there was none of that uh, danger uh, in my life. I mean, we don't drink or smoke or anything. I mean, we're totally uh, clean living traditional musicians. And so it's just, uh, you know, everyone is different and nobody knows what's ahead. But... Um, certainly my parents now are really delighted that this is our life and they're very proud and John's parents are very proud too I mean they'll come to as much as they can and they put up posters for us and <laughs> they'll do all of that so um, we're lucky that we both come from that environment you know and I suppose I would be worried too if it was my child I'd be going oh my god like you know this is question. yeah this <laughs> is a very unusual life and 
Um, and in fact, parents come to me quite a lot. Like, you know, they might come, come and say, my daughter wants to play fiddle and she wants to tour and she's going to go to America for six months. And what? how do I get her not to do it? Like, how do I stop? How do I say, no, you shouldn't do that. What you should do is get your degree. And then, you know, and I say to them, look, if your child knows what they want to do, you're really lucky. You should just let them do it and be happy. And I mean, how bad is it going to be? It can't get that bad, you know? if they're playing music so um they're often very shocked with my reaction but I just think you know you only have one life and you've got to do what you really think you you must do and try and make the best of it so I mean we've both been really fortunate that that's what we're doing and we have to pinch ourselves to think you know all of what we have our whole life is is based around music everything we've ever done all I've ever done is music and all John's ever done is music and we're alive we're you know buying the groceries and all of that. So it's just, it's just wonderful. Uh, can I ask you briefly about, um, both of you teach music as well. Mm -hmm. Can I ask about that tradition of teaching and, and learning in, in traditional music and like how, how big a part of it um, is it? Uh, I know some people who aren't involved in traditional music maybe aren't as aware of how people constantly teach and constantly learn the whole way through. Yeah, it's a very complex um, situation because um, when I was learning traditional music, there weren't that many teachers. Um, and even yet, there aren't that many teachers. Um, so the best way to learn traditional music is to be surrounded by it in the house and then to be surrounded by it in the community. But that's not possible for most people because, you know, their parents don't play it and their uncles don't play it and their next door neighbours don't play it. So even though traditional music is in a really brilliant place right now and it's very secure and um, it's not anywhere near where I would like it to be which is really mainstream traditional music you know that that is what you hear when you turn on the radio that's what I would love um, so it's difficult and I teach a lot and I suppose I use a lot of my classical training in the way that I teach so it's very structured and it's very definite and there are real goals every year and there is a lot of technique as well as a lot of ear training and a lot of learning by ear how to learn traditional music um, but I really feel that it's one of the problems in traditional music is that, you know, we could do with a, an army of brilliant teachers who know how to teach and who have learned how to teach. And I think, you know, we're, we're still getting there. What about the FLA coming to, to County Louth? Um, how big a deal mm -hmm. is that? Well, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's actually nearly unbelievable. Um, and I know that County Laos and Drahada in particular have been trying to get the FLA for years and years. And they're just so delighted and um, kind of incredulous that, that it's finally coming here. Um, but over the last six months, there's been this incredible push to get the FLA up and running and off the ground. And the support that it has, I think, is going to be the thing that gets it over the line and makes it a brilliant FLA. And I mean, we were there for the launch of the FLA in Drogheda a few months ago, and you could feel on the streets the atmosphere that was so nice towards Irish music and dance and culture and song and uh, just, I just think it, it's going to be brilliant. I'm really excited about it and I think that the, the geography of the town is going to be wonderful as well and I think it'll be spectacular. We might maybe ask you to play it for us if you don't mind. <laughs> Thank you. 
and that's a piece that we composed together in memory of Seamus Heaney um, and actually that's one that we're going to be performing with orchestra and, and as part of the FLA and it's going to be specially arranged for the whole symphony orchestra so we haven't heard it yet so we're very excited <laughs> to see what it might be like.
Zoe Conway and John McIntyre, thank you so much for inviting us into your beautiful home and for your hospitality. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for coming. I hope you like the cake and the scones <laughs> and the tea. <laughs> Kill Sawalia, our LMFM, commissioned by Create Loud, the arts service of Loud County Council, with support from the Arts Council and Drogheda Credit Union, with branches in Trim and Bettystown, proud sponsors of Fla Kiln Heron. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.